This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way, Brady PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. And joining me, as always, is Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital, Katie Atkinson. Hello, Katie. Happy Grammy Week, Keith. Happy Grammy Week and happy Oscar nominations week. Oh, also, just awards galore. We're actually, unfortunately, we are recording this the day before the Oscar nominations come out. Oh, but we, so we do know how many nominations Call Me By Your Name has by now. Yeah, by now Wins. we do. <laughs> when this airs. <laughs> um, but uh, it's also Grammy Awards week, which is the most magical time of the year, leading up to music's biggest night. This Sunday, January 28th, we'll be talking all about the Grammy Awards because, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and Grammy on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. And as we mentioned, this installment of the Pop Shop is a very special one since it's our annual Grammy Awards preview spectacular. Grammy. 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 Yeah, yeah. Copyright pending on that one. We're going to enter that one to next year's Grammy Awards. Right. The Grammy Awards are this Sunday, January 28th, and we have predictions for the big four categories, thoughts on what we're looking forward to seeing on the show, and we also have an interview with five-time Grammy nominee and Grammy performer Khalid. We talked to the 19-year-old breakout star about his, <laughs> yes, the 19-year-old child, <laughs> about his surreal year since releasing his debut album, American Teen, and what he's most looking forward to about his first trip to the Grammys. So stay tuned for all that. Wow. Yeah. Well, plus, we also still have chart news about Camila Cabello's big week on the charts. She's number one on both the Billboard 200 Albums chart and the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart. How do a Lipa nabs her first top 10 hit on the Hot 100, and how the legendary Diana Ross scores her highest charting album in 33 years on the Billboard 200 chart. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Let's run the Billboard chart numbers and do the chart chat. Chart chat. Chart chat. Here are three of the biggest headlines on the charts. Number one, it's a huge week for Camila Cabello as the friend of the podcast debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart with her first album, the simply titled Camila, and rises to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart with her smash hit Havana. She made it. She made it. 
it only took 23 weeks, but she yeah, made it. Yeah, but like, it was not positive that she was going to make it. No. Then she made it. And she made it. <laughs> Her album starts with 119,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending January 18th, according to Nielsen Music. And of that sum, 65,000 were in traditional album sales. And uh, as you guys know, it was thought uh, that their could have been a showdown between Camila and the soundtrack to The Greatest Showman. We actually talked a little bit about this last week on the show. Um, And The Greatest Showman was number one for the past two weeks on the chart. Uh, But Camila came on stronger than expected as the week progressed, and she finished on top, trumping the Showman soundtrack, which actually gained last week, which is a little bit unusual. Um, It earned 104,000 units, and it's actually number two this week. So with her number one debut, uh, Camila joins an exclusive club of female performers who initially reached the Billboard 200 as part of a group and then later hit number one with a solo album. Mm. Uh, Camila was formerly a member of the all-female vocal group Fifth Harmony, which claimed three top tens while Camila was in the group. And of course, Camila departed Fifth Harmony in December of 2016, and they are now a quartet, and they have released an album since Camila has left. Yes. So Katie... Can you guess what other women, you don't have to guess all of them, but what other women also managed this unique achievement? Now, uh, those of you at home, I wrote about this on Sunday already. Katie has not read my story. I don't work on Sundays, and I haven't read the article yet. I will. Don't worry. Evidently, I work on Sundays. <laughs> yes. um, so, Little did Keith know. <laughs> so, uh, well, I always work on Sunday. Yeah, right. So um, some of them are pretty obvious. I mean, Beyonce. Beyonce, we of have to course. start with Beyonce. Uh, her her debut album, "Dangerously in Love," debuted at number one after experiencing uh, chart success with Destiny's Child, of course. You know, you mentioned Diana Ross in the intro to the show. Is she part of this as she the is. Supremes? She is. She's had one number one album as a solo artist. It was actually the soundtrack. Uh, to uh, Lady Sings the Blues, okay. um, which uh, might surprise some folks. And of course, she had um, success, you know, tons of chart success with the Supremes. The Supremes had, I think, three number one albums on their own. Okay. And this isn't just about having number one albums with the group. You don't have to have had a number one album. You just had to have at least charted yeah. on the Billboard yeah. 200. So like the Fugees? Yeah, that's right. Lauren uh, Hill. Lauren Hill. With the miseducation of Lauren Hill. And of course, the Fugees had the score before that, which was a huge album. Right. Okay, so I'm missing some big ones. You're missing uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six and a half. Six and a half. One, the, the half is an honorary mention. <laughs> are these? Are any of these really recent? Or No, the most recent one. Well, actually, one of them is sort of recent. Okay. Um, and it comes from a rock band. Ooh, interesting. Um, a rock band. With a lady. Yeah, not too many who, of those. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm running through Paramore. Nope. I'm, and she has not had a solo album, Haley. I'm running through, uh, you know, Taylor Momsen's, you know, Pretty Reckless. Okay, think more pop rock, then. <laughs> pop rock. Came from the 90s. The 90s. Pop rock. Oh, Gwen Stefani. Gwen Stefani. And No Doubt. That's right. Um, How about another member of Destiny's Child? Oh, wow. So Kelly Rowland nope. or Michelle Williams nope. or Latoya Luckett. Latoya Luckett. <laughs> no, I, I, you just keep going. You might have forgotten that Latoya Luckett, uh, formerly of Destiny's Child, uh, her debut album, which was simply called Latoya, yeah. debuted at number one yep, on the Billboard yep. 200. I spoke with Latoya last year about this very thing. That's right. Yeah. Um, That's, you did a panel, and she yeah, was on and a panel. Yeah, and she was on it, That's yeah. Right. And she has some serious chart achievements. She does. As both, you know, People solo forget. artist and Destiny's Child. I can, okay. t- I can yeah, tell, tell you, me the rest. I can tell you the rest, because it might be a little bit hard. So there's Patti LaBelle. Oh, LaBelle. With LaBelle. Yeah. Now, that one's a little bit weird, because, of course, it was her namesake. Right. But LaBelle was a trio of 
women. It was a tr- it was a female vocal trio, Patti LaBelle, Nona Hendrix, and Sarah Dash, and they all sang on this group. And of course, LaBelle previous to that used to be Patti LaBelle and the Bluebells, and before that, it was just the Bluebells. Okay, but they only charted on the Billboard 200 as LaBelle, LaBelle. with of course like Lady Marmalade. You know, though she had they had three albums, I think. And two of them maybe charted, or all three of them did before Patti LaBelle went solo. Okay, um, she had a num- she had one number one album in the eighties, and it's called "The Winner in You." Then there was also Stevie Nicks. Oh, sure. Um, her first album, friend of the podcast, friend of the podcast, uh, Stevie Nicks. Uh, her first album, Belladonna, uh, which number one on the Billboard 200. Of course, after all the success with Fleetwood Mac in the 70s. Yes, uh, Linda Ronstadt. Oh, sure. Okay, this is a, this is a little weird one. Uh, before she was. Linda Ronstadt, the huge solo star, she was in a group called the Stone Ponies. And it was kind of like this folk pop trio. Mm -hmm. And they had three albums. I think two of them charted sort of in the late 60s, early 70s. I was literally just learning all about this, Keith, because I was listening to the uh, the Eagles channel on Sirius XM. Oh, they talked about this? And they were talking about Linda Ronstadt. The Eagles began as her backing musicians. That's how Don Henley and Glenn Frey met was playing for Linda Ronstadt. When she was a solo artist. When she was a solo artist. Wow. And then they talked about, they play music related to the Eagles on the channel, and they talked about the Stone Ponies. Oh. There you go. I haven't heard any of the Stone Ponies. This was all me doing research on Sunday, going through every single solo woman who has ever been number one on the Billboard 200. So, Lord help me if I've forgotten (laughs) someone. I am so sorry. Um, And then uh, Janis Joplin. Oh, as part of Big Brother. Big Brother and and the the Holding Holding Company. And the Holding Company. Um, Of course, they had, uh, they had, I think, one, one or, they had two albums um, with Janis. Mm -hmm. um, A self-titled album and then Cheap Thrills. And Cheap Thrills was the huge album that really launched her mm-hmm. as a huge star, and then she left the band yeah. and became a big solo star. Yeah. And her number one album actually was Pearl, which was released posthumously yeah. after she passed away. So it went to number one after she was already dead. Um, so that's a really interesting twist of this whole thing. Yeah. And then the honorary mention that I was going to throw in there was Selena Gomez, which... Um, the scene! Which, it's that's a tricky one. Yeah. She... She initially charted three albums, I believe, as Selena Gomez and The Scene. And then she had her first sort of proper solo album called Stars Dance, which went to number one, and it was just credited to Selena Gomez. I think most people, no, no, not, not taking anything away from The Scene, most people would have imagined that those first albums were really just Selena Gomez albums. Yeah. And The Scene was basically her backing band. It's kind of like, in a, in a weird way, like saying, like, you know... If something was credited to Prince and the Revolution, are we going to hold that against right. him when he becomes just Prince? I mean, uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers? Like Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that is kind of also a stretch to compare them to the scene. Yeah, yes. To a degree. I mean, they were they were effectively a touring band, though they were, yes. I think, the same static group of, of gentlemen who played with Selena. Yes. Shout think, out to the scene. Shout out to the scene. I think it's a slightly different situation. Yes. So anyway, um, that went on a little bit longer than I anticipated. I'm so That's sorry. Interesting though. Um, moving over, <laughs> moving over to the Hot 100. Uh, Camila's Havana rises from number two to number one with gains in sales and streams, uh, and it's of course her first number one hit. And she did not have a number one with Fifth Harmony either. Uh, the song sold eighty thousand downloads uh, last week and was up fifty seven percent in Man. sales. Um, that's aided somewhat by the fact that the song was priced for just 69 cents in the iTunes store. I'll do it. Um, clear, clearly, their label and Camila's folks knew that this was their chance to get to number this one. This the week. Um, and the song scored a 34% gain in streams, rising to 44.9 million for the week. 
Uh, the song actually was down in airplay, but it was still on uh, the number two most heard song in the country. Uh, it is number two on our radio songs chart again. Uh, with uh, 131 million in audience, uh, yeah, every time you turn on the radio. What's number one on radio songs right now? Uh, that would be Ed Sheeran's. Oh, perfect. perfect. Yeah. Um, notably, as Havana climbs to number one on the Hot 100 in its 23rd week, that ties the longest rise to number one for a song by a female artist, a lead female artist. It equals the 23-week ascent of Cheap Thrills. By Sia, featuring Sean Paul back in 2016, and Patty Austin's Baby Come to Me with James Ingram back in 1982 and 1983. That's a jam. And a, a point of note, we, I, we probably mentioned this on the show before, probably in a chart stat of the week, Baby Come to Me had a really long rise to number one back then, which was super unusual because the chart behaved uh, things moved up and down the chart a lot quicker back yeah. in the 80s. But that song was used in a soap opera, I believe it was General Hospital. Mm, we have talked about this. Was it the Luke and Laura wedding? I, th- I it might have been. It, it, I think it was a Luke and Laura like love theme, some sort of special thing. Um, and yeah, we have talked about that. Uh, like, there was actually a number of songs from General Hospital that all had like Herb Alpert's Rise went to number one thanks to its use in, in the show. Yeah. Baby, come to me, you yeah. know. And then of course we had Rick Springfield and all those fine folks come from soap operas. <sighs> I love it. Anyway. Next up, another friend of the podcast, Dua Lipa, hits the top 10 for the first time on the Hot 100 as her hit New Rules rises 11 to 8. The song hits the top 10 in its 25th chart week, the longest climb to the top 10 since October 2016 when Nash, am I saying that right? Yep. Nash's I Hate You, I Love You, featuring Olivia O'Brien, also took 25 weeks to the top 10. New Rules is a former number one hit for Dua over in the UK, where it led the official UK singles chart for two weeks last September. Um, And by the way, make sure to uh, check out our interview with Dua from nearly a year ago. Yeah. Uh, She was on the show back on February 28th, 2017, just when things were getting started for her in America in a significant way. And she's a fascinating person, started her career as a model. Grew up like all over yeah, the world, crazy places. Yeah, she's very worldly and very young. Worth listening to. Um, and I remember then, like the the music I had heard, I was like, "This is just some great pop, pop. music." Yep, perfect pop music. Yep. If you are, only know new rules, check it all out because it's, it's all, good. all good. Yeah. And lastly, the one and only Diana Ross. You heard that name earlier in the show. Is back on the Billboard 200 and in a supreme way. <laughs> Oh, yeah. (laughs) The Entertainer's new greatest hit set, Diamond Diana, The Legacy Collection, debuts at number 30, marking her highest debut ever and her highest charting album in nearly 33 years. She last went higher, believe it or not, way back in April of 1985 when her Swept Away album ranked at number 29 on the April 27th, 1985 chart. Now, the album actually debuted on the list the previous September and had already peaked at number 26 in November of 1984, but I was just looking for the last time she was higher on the chart in mm. any capacity. Yeah, um, The Diamond Diana album enters the Billboard 200 with 15,000 units, of which 14,000 were in traditional album sales. The album was actually released digitally last November, uh, timed right around to when she got the Lifetime Achievement Award at the American Music Awards. But the album didn't get issued on CD, until January 12th, which is why the album finally jumps onto the list. A lot of people bought the album physically. I would imagine probably a lot of folks maybe saw it at like Target or Walmart or something Mm -hmm. and thought, ooh, let me get this new Diana Ross collection. 
and it's probably attractively priced too. So there you go. There's our there's our fabulous chart news for the week. Is all, it Grammy time? All the chart news that's uh, that's a uh, fit to speak fit to chart. <laughs> yeah. Now it is Grammy time. Yay, Grammy time. Grammy time. So the Grammys are obviously this week, Sunday, January 28th. Uh, they kick off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS, hosted again by James Corden. Are they live coast to coast, both coasts? They are live coast to coast, finally. Mm. I think that came about a couple of couple years, years ago. ago. Yeah, it's been it's been a few years now. Um, so far, we have a long list of performers that we know about. Um, maybe just uh, let me see what Keith is most excited about mm. uh, on this list. Um, Give me some highlights for you. Um, I'm interested in seeing what Pink does. Oh, yeah. Like, will she fly again? Will she just set herself on fire? Pink, who has a new uh, adult contemporary number one hit as of this week. Beautiful Trauma? No, the the um, song, uh, What About Love, is number one on AC. What About Us? What About Us? What About Love would be that heart hit she, <laughs> back in 1985, I believe. She does say the phrase, What About Love, in the song. But yes, it is definitely called What I About am, Us. I am down for a pink <laughs> cover of Heart any day. Oh, maybe a team up between well but the heart ladies are not currently performing oh, maybe together. we just get like maybe one of the sisters one wilson to show up. just yeah. a single wilson well, i'm sure that i'm sure the heart <laughs> sisters would the wilson sisters would show up for pink in the grammy awards yeah i'm sure that they true. would they would like make amends just yeah. for the one performance yeah let's make that happen come um, on yeah yeah actually it's not too late i don't even know if hearts actually won a grammy Ooh. yeah okay well anyway <laughs> maybe they don't love the we just we just <laughs> fell into a hole there uh, i'm excited to see the tribute they're doing a like a Broadway tribute. I think it's to Leonard Bernstein and uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Ben Platt and Patti Lapone mm-hmm. are singing in tribute. Um, I'm are Elton John and Miley Cyrus are yeah. singing together. Yeah. Do we know what they're doing? I don't know what they're doing yet. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I feel like that's a good pairing. I'm I'm here for it. I'm interested to see if uh, Justin Bieber finally shows up and sings Despacito. I don't think he will. Oh, you know yeah. what? Honestly, so Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee are performing Despacito together on the stage, and there has been no announcement about Bieber joining them. Mm. But I kind of feel like it, it's their moment. You know what I mean? And I think Bieber might even think the same thing. Like, I know that it... He's it, nominated. Bieber's oh, nominated. Oh, yeah. I mean, it took, and it took that remix to make it, like, uber popular in the U.S., obviously, with Bieber. But the video, for instance, we know that um, had all the views on YouTube was actually the original version. It, yeah, it no was Bieber. a global, massive sensation because of these two artists, you know, first and foremost. But then Bieber did lift it to a new level. So we'll it'd be, see. It'd be nice to see. I mean, because we've seen Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee sing Despacito before. Yes. It'd be this nice. would not be new. It would, if, to actually give it a little bit more extra luster, you would put Bieber in there for the first time we actually get the three people together Ever. They've never sung that live all three well, together. Well, and, you know, there have been videos of Bieber being, like, asked to sing it live. And, and he recorded those Spanish lyrics, but uh, probably learned them in the studio for this recording. Phonetically, word and by word, line by line. So I'm, I'm, he's a professional performer. I'm sure he could do it again live and it would be for the first time do it live, I should say. But, um, yeah, I mean, that would be a sight yeah. for so the, sure. So those are the things that I'm interested in seeing. I'm interested also, we were talking earlier about um, there's a trio of country artists who are coming together to do a tribute to the victims of the 2017 Las Vegas shooting. So that is sure to be a very emotional performance. It's Eric Church, Marin Morris, and Brothers Osborne um, all performing together. We don't know yet what they will perform, but um guessing that'll be an emotional highlight as will our uh, guest Khalid performing with Logic and Alessia Cara because they're going to be joined by um, a slew of suicide survivors and family members of suicide victims. It's going to be 
Very serious. These are the serious notes of the yeah. Grammys. For and also for what's worth, Eric Church, Marin Morris, and Brothers Osborne all played the uh, festival in Vegas. Yeah. Um. So it is a little bit more poignant for them because yes. they were actually at the they were they were they were on the festival lineup throughout the weekend. They weren't necessarily there that day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they were all part of that lineup. So, um. Yeah. There will be some. Some light moments, I'm sure, you know, like Rihanna and DJ Khaled and Bryson Tiller doing Wild Thoughts. And then... I hope that baby Assad comes out for that one. Ooh. He's not a baby anymore. He's one, you know, toddler Assad. <laughs> when, do you, when do you stop becoming a baby? I feel like once you start walking, you're a toddler because you're toddling. Oh. Do, and one-year-olds generally walk? <laughs> yeah, one-year-olds generally walk. Not, not all of them do, but... So we just have Assad, like, strut out on stage? Yeah. Put him, like, in some sort of, like, baby stroller Yes. I want all of this. What, it, like... Yeah, let's make it happen. Um, all right, well, let's talk about our predictions for the big four categories. Yes. So there's Record of the Year, Album of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best New Artist. What so, should we start with? Um, let's start with, well, what's... Should we start with Album? Sure. Yeah, it feels like Album's a good way to start. So, so let me just tell you what the nominees are for the listeners. Okay. Um, we have Childish Gambino's Awaken My Love. We have Jay-Z's 444. We have Kendrick Lamar's Damn, we have Lord's Melodrama, and we have Bruno Mars' 24 Karat Magic. And this award goes to the artists and to the... Featured artists as well. Yeah, and boy, songwriters, songwriters new producers, material, producers, a whole slew of people. mixers, you're really, mastering. You're recognizing the whole body of work yes, here on this album. Yes. Um, I feel like there's going to be some vote splitting here between the hip-hop like the purely hip hop titles between Kendrick, Jay Z, and Childish Gambino, yes. and I feel like that could then clear the way for Bruno Mars to uh, win. So I think he will win this. Who should win? I feel like it's it would be great if we actually had a rap album win this year. Yeah. Um, to kind of not only to make amends for the <laughs> things that haven't won in the past, but. Um, also to recognize the great diversity in this category um, where we have four men of color um, and a woman who's not, but she's a woman. So we have four <laughs> yes. men of color and a woman. We have diversity in this category. Full-on diversity. Um, so I think if, if it was a should win, probably Kendrick Lamar with Dan. I would agree with that as the should win. I think the will win, actually, to um, dispute what you just said. <laughs> I think Jay-Z might get it. Really? Yeah, because I, I feel like that is a, a really, like, it was just a really weighty body of work. And the way he rolled it out with all these videos, it was like people really paid attention to each individual song right. because of that rollout. And because of him, like, being getting really personal about the Beyonce, you know, infidelity and all this sort of stuff. Like, it made a lot of headlines. It was, you know, and then I also think... You know, a lot of times Grammys will be looking at a, an entire body of work, an entire career, and kind of rewarding that. I feel like it might be a great opportunity to reward Jay Z for all he's done in hip hop for the past two decades. Right. So that's that's my thought. All right. Um, what do you think will win? Well, Did I you say will Bruno Mars will. Oh, Bruno will win and should I love, win. Probably it's a great. It's a great album, Bruno Mars. But like when you look at the like the weightiness of of I think Kendrick Jay Z. Childish Gambino, Lord, it's just like they're just more serious works, but Bruno's just so fun. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So so your should and will are again? Should, Kendrick, will, Jay-Z. Okay. And I have a should, For the Kendrick, record. will, Bruno. So we both think Kendrick should. Should. Maybe Kendrick's just going to win. That would be funny. <laughs> uh, do you want to do record of the year now? Yeah. 
Let's so Record of the Year, uh, the award goes to the artist and the producer and then recording engineers and mixers and mastering engineers, if other than the artist. Uh, the nominees are Redbone by Childish Gambino, Despacito, Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee featuring Justin Bieber, The Story of OJ by Jay-Z, Humble by Kendrick Lamar, and 24 Karat Magic by Bruno Mars. So would you like to go first, Katie? My should and will is the same on this one. I think Kendrick is going to take this one. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep, humble all the way, 100%. That's my guess. It's my prediction. I feel like I feel like the Recording Academy is still very old and white. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's just that is just simply the case and though they've tried, they've tried and tried and tried to get more diverse and more young and they've stacked the deck in favor of, you know, a cool hip hoppy thing. I feel like, you know, Bruno Mars will probably win this. Wow. Yeah. You think Bruno's going to have a big night? I think he's the safest pick, and I think it's like what an old white dude would, would vote for. Right. I know that sounds terrible. I'm very sorry, but... And, well, we'll see if that's I'm, true. I'm not speaking on behalf of the Recording Academy. Oh, obviously I'm not. not. I'm, I'm just saying, like, as we've seen in the past, Adele won over Beyonce. Yeah. Yep. For Lemonade. So... And, you know, that was different. You had a, a category that was less diverse. Now, this year, the category is diverse. So not only do we have a diverse category where you have, you know, three different hip-hop titles up against a huge Latin-English crossover mm. success versus, oh, the one huge hit that all of you remember hearing on the radio no matter where you were. Right, right, right. Um, the Story of OJ, not played on the radio. Humble, big hit, yes. Despacito, huge hit. Redbone, not as big as 24 Karat Magic. Yeah. And I think if you're an older Recording Academy voter, you remember Bruno Mars doing that Prince tribute. You right, remember him singing right, with Sting right, and right. Rihanna a few years ago in that Marley tribute. Man, he's such a good entertainer. Yep, yep. He was great on the and Super Bowl. he plays Bowl. the game. Yep. He was on the Super Bowl, like, what, 17 times? <laughs> he's just so great. Like, that's what's going to happen. So I think he will probably win. I think should win. I mean, it would be actually pretty cool to see Despacito win. I don't have like a huge like I don't have like a, a horse in this game. Like I feel like it'd be great if Kendrick, you know, would win. So I'm gonna go with Will is, is Bruno. Should <laughs> let's go with Despacito okay. because really I think most people would, would contend that it was the record of the year and it's representative of a lot. Yes. Whether or not the song it's, itself is like the greatest Latin song that ever it's, existed, it's representative of Latin pop music. It's representative of like tropical rhythms. It's representative of, of Latin rap music with Daddy yeah. Yankee yeah. and the incredible sort of crossover English to mm-hmm. Spanish crossover of Justin Bieber. You know. So should we move on to song of the yes. year? Yes, song of the okay. year is a songwriters award. Yes. People often get song and record a little confused. Two different things. Two different things. Uh, the nominees for this category are Despacito again. You may have heard that one before. Um, and there's a lot of songwriters on this. So I'm just going to go ahead and name the song titles yes, for this easier. one. Uh, next up, we have Issues, which is performed by Julia Michaels, and she also co-wrote it. Uh, then we have That's What I Like, which is... Uh, co-written by Bruno Mars and a mess of other people and performed by Bruno Mars. We have 1-800-273-8255, which is the song we previously mentioned, uh, performed by Logic, Khalid, and Alessia Cara. And they're all listed as songwriters on this as well. And finally, we have 444 from Jay-Z, who is a co-songwriter as well. Now, the trick with this category is that it recognizes the songwriting and it recognizes sort of meaningful songs mm-hmm. in, in a way. So this is where you could recognize 1-800-273-8255. 100%. So I feel like this is, 
like a should and will win might be 1-800-273-8255. Uh, you know what? Let's just go ahead and agree on this 100% because <laughs> I, if you look at all these songs, you can like not say anything made a bigger impact as far as social impact goes than that song. Yeah. Um, we've written articles about the uh, actual like influx of calls to that number after the song came out. I mean, obviously, this right. number that none of us would have known before. Now people know by heart because of the name of this song. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that was easy. Well, okay. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> uh, best New Artist. Um, and uh, here's the caveat. An artist will be considered for Best New Artist if their eligibility year release or releases achieved a breakthrough into the public consciousness and notably impacted the musical landscape. That's a very fancy, but yet vague, definition of what a Best New Artist contender is. And this is actually for the eligibility period of uh, October 2016 through September of 2017. The Best New Artist nominees are Alessia Cara, Khalid, Lil Uzi Vert, Julia Michaels, and SZA. All right. Who will win and who should win? Hmm. Best New Artist has a checkered past where sometimes there could be an incredible vote split between Mm -hmm. four very hugely popular artists Mm -hmm. and then a random person wins. I remember Esperanza Spalding Spalding winning over, who was it, like Justin Justin Bieber Bieber and like, was was like Nikki up that year or something? Yeah, yeah, Nikki. That was a a crazy year. And, you know, you have to think if if you have, you know, I think we can probably write off a little Vert right now. I he is not one, part of my should or will. I think Alessia Cara is probably an incredibly safe pick. That's my will. Um, so I think she probably will win. But my should is SZA. I think SZA is really interesting just because she's such a unique artist mm-hmm. um, that you can't really categorize. Yes. Um, I who's your should win? I think my should is probably either Khalid or SZA. Yeah. Um, and that's a tough call. I mean, they actually uh, are people that know and love each other yeah. a lot and would probably be happy for each other if they won. <laughs> I, I, I think SZA probably should win, um, but Alessia Cara probably will win. I agree. So there we go. And uh, we're not really very contentious over here at the Pop Shop. Well, we did divert a little bit. <laughs> yeah, on the album um, we did for sure. So um, stay tuned to see if we got any of these things right on Sunday. The important thing we need to talk about now is the live uh, Billboard show that will be taking place before the Grammys also, which... Well, that that feeds into our what are we m- most looking forward to on the show. Evidently, it's me. Yeah, it's Keith because it's he's going to be on the red carpet in New York. Um for our live billboard pre-show. Starting at 5 p.m. Eastern on Twitter. It will Twitter. be live streaming on Twitter. I Literally have, just go to Twitter, right? You can go to Twitter. I think that that might be all you, as simple as that. But there is an address you can specifically go to hmm. if you would like to tune in to our live show. It is live.twitter.com slash Billboard Grammys Live. Billboard Grammys Live. That's simple. Can you remember that? There you yeah. go. Um, Keith will be on the carpet. So, Keith, what are you looking forward to most on the carpet? Um, well, um... Good golly. <laughs> the carpet, the, the Grammy carpet is an interesting one just because it's a very long day. Yes. Uh, we actually start on the carpet around, I want to think like it's about 2 p.m. Eastern. That's true because it, it usually had to be there by noon yeah. in L.A. So I guess that would be two or three. The carpet is effectively like a five hour long carpet. And if you are watching us on Sunday, you'll be joining us about, you know, two-thirds of the way through the carpet or halfway right, through right. the carpet when things really start to pick up. And the reason why it's so long is because they have a um, 
a separate award ceremony before the Grammy Awards where they actually give out the bulk of the awards because there's something like 80-something categories and only maybe seven of them are given out on the air in a three-hour show. The rest of them are given out earlier in the day. And so the carpet is there for all those folks that are coming earlier. So what am I looking forward to? That was a long (laughs) preamble. I'm looking forward to... Possibly speaking to, say, Bruno Mars on the carpet. That would be amazing. Oh, yes. Um, it would be great if I could talk to Pink. Yes. Um, it would be wonderful to talk to Lady Gaga, but I also know that none of these things will probably happen. <laughs> but on the show, uh, I'm just looking forward to surprises, and especially considering this is the 60th annual show, I, I would I would suspect there's going to be a bridging of the gap between icons and legends uh, who have been with us for decades and the newcomers. Yes. I would hope. And I hope that there's some sort of you know reflection of the past, um, but also a look towards the future. I feel like that's the Grammys' uh, bread and butter is, yeah. is recognizing the people that, that came first. So yeah. I think at, on the 60th annual show, they will definitely do that. Yeah. But speaking of the future, let's get to our interview with Grammy nominee Khalid. Yeah. You know the R&B singer-songwriter from his three Billboard Hot 100 Top 20 hits, Location and Young, Dumb, and Broke from his 2017 debut album, American Teen, plus the number three peaking Logic song, 1-800-273-8255, also featuring Alessia Cara, which the trio will perform this Sunday on the Grammy stage. We chatted with the 19-year-old breakout star about his five Grammy nominations, his surreal 2017, including a memorable interaction with Elton John, and what he has planned for his upcoming tour, like making sure he has a certain condiment on hand when he heads overseas. So here's our interview with Grammy nominee and performer Khalid. Hello, Khalid, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop podcast. We're talking to you today for our special Grammy episode because you are a first-time nominee this year. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the morning of Grammy nominations and, and finding out not just that you were nominated for the first time, but that you had five nominations this year? It was crazy. I remember, I mean, I woke up as early as I possibly could. It was like five o'clock. I had, I couldn't sleep. It was almost like it was Christmas Eve for me. I could not go to sleep. And so I woke up super early and, and I saw, I mean, I was, I was hoping for at least one nomination or two nominations and I saw five and I was ecstatic. The first thing I did was call my mom. I had to tell her, uh, it was, it wasn't, I mean, it's a feeling that I can't even describe or can't even recreate because there was so much excitement that just, I mean, it just allowed me to just look back at how hard I worked and me being a little kid back then thinking about this is all that I want, and it it came true. And not only are you nominated, but you're also performing at the show alongside Logic and Alessia Cara, and it sounds like it will be a very emotionally powerful performance. Um, You're taking the stage with Suicide Attempt and Lost Survivors. What can you tell us about the plans for, for that performance so far? Honestly, I'm I'm just so not even necessarily humbled, but I'm just so glad and so appreciative that I get to stand next to two amazing individuals such as Alicia and Logic. They're so talented. They're they're genuine people. You feel this sort of genuine energy from them that's just it's just amazing. And so to be up there and to be doing something so powerful and to be spreading the message of, of awareness about something that's so serious and that's not taken as serious as it should be. Is amazing. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a, a very. I mean, 
going to be a breathtaking performance. Obviously, with Alicia Carr's vocals, I mean, she's, she's amazing. So it's going to be really awesome. Is this going to be your first time actually attending the Grammys, Khalid? Yes, it's my it's my first Grammy ever off of a debut album. So I really don't know what to expect. I mean, I I can expect what I used to watch when I was when I was a kid growing up until this point, but it's it's going to be insane. What were some of your memories? Because you just talked about watching the show when you were younger. What are what are some of your memories of watching the show? When you were growing up, like were there performances that you remember or, or acceptance speeches that really stuck out to you? A recent memory that I definitely hold close to me uh, and that I've been holding close to me for the past year was when Chance won Best New Artist. I, I mean, for me to be following, you know, in his footsteps for African-American male to win such a, I mean, such a prestigious award is, is ridiculous. And I'm nominated for the same award he's nominated for. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, speaking of Best New Artists, um, you're up against some artists that you know pretty well. Obviously, you've worked with Alicia, and, and you posed on Billboard's cover with SZA and Julia Michaels. Um, the other nominee is uh, Lil Uzi Vert, who I'm sure you've crossed paths with. So since you all, you know, at least sort of know each other, have you spoken with them about the nomination? Um, I can't say that I've spoken to them about the nominations, but I, I am extremely proud of every single individual who is nominated for the award because i mean SZA is one of my biggest influences as as a kid growing up throughout high school because i'm only 19 so um she inspires me as well there's 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 an attribute about every single person who's nominated who, who inspires me how they all push for individuality and how it's, it's this new age of just you just feel this sort of authenticity from every one of them they're out there and they're being themselves 100 percent, and that, that's super inspiring to me you know, you're also up for Song of the Year uh, with Logic and Alessia. Um, you know, was it especially gratifying as a songwriter yourself to be recognized for for songwriting in this category? I feel like it's crazy that an idea and a dream that we had about the song, me coming together with, with Logic and him telling me about Alessia Carr going, uh, going to be on the, the record as well, just, just dreaming about what we what we would hope that would happen and that was to bring awareness to something that's so serious uh it's it's crazy i mean i can't believe it i've literally (laughs) been making music since 2015 that's when i wrote my first song so to be nominated for song of the year not even too long after that is it's it's crazy It's, it's amazing and yeah, your five nominations really cap a spectacular breakout year for you. What has been the most surreal moment of your past year as you've kind of ridden the wave of your debut album, American Teen? I feel like the most surreal moment or surreal continuous moment is the fact that, um, I mean, my album is still top 20. <laughs> so that's, that's insane to think about um, that. So many people love love the album i mean that was my personal that was it was like my journal it was, it was a notebook of just feelings and emotions and, and people all across the world somehow found some sort of impact that they did if they enjoyed it and i'm so appreciative of every single person who has clicked play on that album because it changed my life and when you've been out at these award shows or other music events has there been a celebrity who's approached you that you've been pleasantly surprised to find out as a fan of your music or knows about your music? Ooh. I have to say that <laughs> um 
meeting Elton John in El Paso, Texas, when he performed in, in my hometown was incredible and it was dreamlike. I, I never knew that, that Elton John was a fan until I had I'd seen this special on Apple Music where he talked about um, me and how he would possibly want to work with me. And so I met him. Literally, it was crazy because I was flying into El Paso the, the day that I saw that, and I checked and saw that he was performing there as well. And I met up with him, and literally the first thing that he asked me to do when I met up with him was uh, sign the album that he bought of mine. <laughs> which was great. It was, wow. it was, it was great. So does this mean that there's like an Elton Khalid, like collabo coming at some point <laughs> in the future? I hope so. I mean, I gotta, I gotta get on that. I gotta hit him up about that. That would be cool. Um, yeah, that would be cool by the way. Um, in addition to the great critical, critical response to your music and obviously American teen, um, you've racked up quite a few number ones on the Billboard charts, uh, which you're probably aware of. Um, you know, when you hit number one for the first time, um, it was with Location, actually. I think it was last May. Um, what did that mean to you? Did you celebrate in any way, or do you remember how you found out about your first number one on, on the Billboard charts? Um, I mean, I checked a lot. <laughs> I checked <definitely laughs> a lot, and I, I hope and I dream, and I, I think about just the rise in the fall, and I mean, it's, it's crazy, it's, it's, it's insane, but for me, I feel like I celebrate with my friends for the most part. <laughs> me being around my friends and, and me having the energy of my friends is just the most amazing thing of it all, is that they're, they're still beside me and they're still by my side throughout all of this. Um, you know, you've really built up a huge fan base over this past year, but the Grammys are known for introducing acts to a, a very wide audience. Has that been on your mind at all going into the ceremony, knowing that, like, some mom in Idaho who hasn't heard of you yet will see you for the first time on Grammy night? You know, it's kind of a, a brand new level. Honestly, I've been thinking about that this, this whole through this whole process. I've been thinking about the moment that if. I mean, if I'm hoping, I'm wishing, if I, I go home with one award, that my life is going to completely change. <laughs> it's going to, I mean, I've thought that this, this spiral of my life for this past year has been, in, one, incredible, but two, overwhelming, but three, just, it's a dream, you know? And hmm. after after the Grammys, it's, it's going to be a, a completely different life for me. And I'm 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 ready for it. Um, you know, while there are those Grammy viewers who will just be learning about you and checking out American Teen for the first time, there are also fans who are dying for your next album, even though it hasn't even been a year since your first one, basically. Have you been back in the studio working toward a sophomore album, or are you letting this one, you know, breathe a little bit? Uh, I'm definitely going to work on it. I mean, I'm in the process of working on a sophomore album right now, so I'm, I'm very, I'm excited to just see where I, because I like the, I like the music to take me to a place of its own. So I'm super excited to get in and to work with just some of my favorite producers once again and just create another part of, of history for myself. Hey, speaking of that, I mean, we've seen you, you know, we've seen some pictures of you um, in the studio with Diplo and, and you have a, a song on the new Love Simon soundtrack with Normani from Fifth Harmony. Do, do you ever stop making music? <laughs> Are you always kind of in the studio or on the bus recording? Is, is that is that kind of what you spend a lot of your time on is actually working on new music? I actually do take breaks. 
I do take breaks because for me, <laughs> I feel like if I keep going, I'm, I'm definitely going to go insane. But a lot of the time, I love making music when I'm not doing anything, when I'm just, I like to cancel everything just to focus on music, just to spend all of my time and just all of my effort and all of my mind just on the music. I don't really like to, to make music on a busy head. <laughs> but I am touring a lot of this year, and so I'm definitely going to be making music on the road. I mean, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, your uh, tour actually starts up in Europe next month, and then you head back to North America in May. What kind of preparation have you been in doing for this tour so far? And what kind of vibe are you going for um, on stage? Ooh. And Europe, one, I definitely have to bring Ranch over to Europe because I can never find any when I'm there. So I'm packing up a big bottle of red and then we're hitting the road. And um, I, feel I, like this is I love we ask you about your tour and like the vibe on stage. And you're like, I'm bringing ranch. That's <laughs> <laughs> definitely been on my mind about Europe this whole time. I'm like, I cannot wait to pack my ranch so I can go and so I can be good. But for, for the touring perspective, I just want to continue to just, meet a, a lot of my international fans that I, I can't really talk to as much being over here in America. I'm super excited because they go so hard. They, they're so, they're so active and they're so engaged and they're, they're just, they're so nice to me every time I go overseas. So I, I'm really excited, especially because I'm, I'm from Germany as well. I lived there for a good part of my life. So uh, I want to go see my hometown and um, spend some time with a couple of my friends who still live there. Are are you might be a stupid question. Are you fluent in German, by the way? No, not at all. <laughs> not at I'll, all. I'll... I have I have a best friend who's actually born and raised in my hometown and he is German. Um that was his first language, but he learned English. And so every time I go over and I visit that area, he's definitely my translator. He does a great job. He's he's a cool guy. <laughs> I was hoping for like the German version of American teen coming out at some point, but I guess not. <laughs> German teen over here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, what as 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 we speak about the live tour, you know, what have been some of your favorite live shows that you've been to yourself? You know, growing up or or even recently, like who who have you been really excited to see and and who's really impressed you on stage? Ooh, I love Sia. I love seeing Sia live. She sounds even better than the records, and it was. Just this feeling that that I felt watching her sing everything and watching her dancers just go insane. <laughs> it was it was really cool, and I really love Lord's uh, Lord's stage presence. She's so awesome. I love the fact that she can go on stage and just let it all free and just be herself. It was amazing going on tour with her over in Europe the first time that I well the second time that I went back to Europe. It was super cool. And I, I learned a lot from her performance. Travis Scott is a really amazing performer, too. If you have not seen a Travis show, you should definitely go see one. He's amazing. Well, Khalid, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. And I know we'll see you at the Grammys very soon. Um, and, and we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for talking to me. Well, I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry anymore. I want to feel alive. I don't even want to die anymore. Thanks so much to Khalid for taking the time to talk with us before his huge night. Make sure to look out for him on the Grammy stage Sunday and maybe even up at the podium taking home some hardware. Yes. And now it's time for the chart stat of the week. 
This week in 1976, Diana Ross, you may have heard that name a few times earlier on the show, <laughs> reached number one on the Hot 100 with Theme from Mahogany. Do you know where you're going to? The song rose two to one on the list dated January 24th, 1976, giving Ross her third of six solo number ones. Of course, the Supremes, of which Ross was a member until the end of 1969 or early 1970, I believe, charted 12 number ones while Ross was in the group. And that is the all-time most uh, number ones by an American group in history. American group. American group. No, no, like, all-female, no anything, just American group. It can group. also be all-female if you want. Well, <laughs> but yeah. they have the most number ones among any American group. That's amazing. Um, theme from Mahogany was written by Michael Masser and Jerry Goffin was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song at the 48th Annual Oscars. Speaking of the Oscars this week. Yes. Though it actually lost to I'm Easy from the film Nashville. Oh, we all remember that one. I guess Kate I don't doesn't. remember that one. Um, <laughs> well, you know, the Oscars also have a curious way of, uh, you know, nominating things that aren't necessarily hits all the time. Sure. Um, though I think I'm Easy actually kind of may have been a It's hit. probably just a timing issue I think for a, me here. it was a Keith Carradine song. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I mean, Nashville was also like a musical-ish film. It was a Robert Altman movie. Yep, mm-hmm. So, I mean, also it could have been a vote-splitting thing. It could have been a number of things. Could have been a number of things. You know what? Diana Ross. Yeah, Diana Ross. <laughs> um, she performed it on the show, I believe, too. Oh. Huh. Anyway, so there you have it. This week, back in 1976, call her Ms. Ross. Hit number one with the theme from Mahogany. Okay, so, um, exciting week. Uh, we are so happy to bring you our, what is this, our, is this our fourth? This is our fourth Grammy special. I, I've yeah. only been here for the last two, uh, but your very first one was a star-spangled <laughs> show. Yeah, it was. It was, um... Nile Rogers and Annie Lennox both uh, physically came not together. That would have been amazing. Came <laughs> to the office here in LA, um, and Nile actually co-hosted the show. Amazing with me and Jason, and then Annie was our special guest. Two years ago, we met up with Josh Groban at a movie theater. At a movie theater, and that was such a delightful conversation. Of, of, it's Josh Groban, of and, course. And he said that he actually listened to the show, and I actually kind of believe. So him. hi, Josh. So yeah, hi, Josh. <laughs> if you're listening. How's and then going? last year, Kelly Clarkson. Which was amazing. The most delightful lady to talk to ever, probably. And now we have a five-time nominee yeah. on today's show. Not a bad track record I mean, here. We're doing pretty good. <laughs> um, so uh, any, uh, what song should we go out on? Oh, man. I feel like uh, we talked about a lot. Uh, uh, f- f- uh, favorite Grammy winner of the past. Oh, that's interesting. Well, be- you know what? We mentioned Lauren Hill earlier. I was going to say doo-wop that thing. Are you, are you really going to just bring that up? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Doo-wop. All right. See you guys next week. Bye. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.